Welcome to this pre-recorded service from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida for Sunday, August 23rd. We are so glad that you're here. We, of course, wish we were together in person, but we're very, very happy to be with you and to be invited into your home. It is our hope that this time of worship might provide for you a space in which to bring your offerings and your praise to God. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us prepare to worship God.
Be joyful in the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness and come into the divine presence with a song. Know this, the Lord, the Lord is God, the one who made us and to whom we belong. We are God's people, the sheep of God's pasture. Enter the gates of the Lord with thanksgiving. Go into these courts with praise. Give thanks to God and call upon the name of the Lord. For the Lord is good, whose steadfast love is everlasting, and whose faithfulness endures from generation to generation. Let us worship God. On this day which God has made, let us pause. Let's consider our heart, our words, and our action. May our confession be not just a recitation, but a deep acknowledgement of what is wrong. So let us pray the prayer of confession. Almighty God, you love us, but we have not loved you. You call, but we have not listened. We walk away from neighbors in need wrapped up in our own concerns. We have gone along with evil, with pride, quarreling, and divisiveness. Holy God, help us to face up to ourselves so that as you move toward us in mercy, we may repent and turn to you 
and receive mercy through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The good news is that Christ has faced us and has forgiven us. We have faced God with the awareness of our need. We are forgiven and given grace to begin again and courage to continue the journey. So friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. As believers in Jesus Christ, let us affirm our faith through the historic Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Over at that moment when we celebrate our unity with the passing of the peace. So we invite you to share God's love with one another in a safe way. And while you're doing that, we have some of our members' furry friends to share with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Miss you all.
My name is Sarah Soboleski. I am the Director of Outreach and Families here at Church of the Palms. I have a few announcements to share with you. The first is that it's not too late to sign up to join the Zoom call where there'll be a discussion about Strength to Love by Martin Luther King Jr. They are gathering one week from this Monday, so that's August 31st, and you can sign up to participate in that conversation on our website. We also have a couple of new classes we're very excited about. The first is with Pastor Lori and Anita Lustria. It'll be Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. beginning on September 2nd. This is an opportunity to, on a weekly basis, engage with scripture, listening to God through the spiritual practice of Lectio Divina. There is no experience necessary. Everyone is welcome. That too you can find on the website. Also on September 2nd, but at 6.30 p.m., Wednesday Night Life resumes. Looks a little different because it will, of course, be online, but Pastor Steve has put together a wonderful slate of films for God in Hollywood, so we hope you will join him for that. You can find more information about that and sign up on our website. And then we have a very special birthday we want to acknowledge this morning. On August 26th, Betty Newton turns 95. Happy birthday, Betty. Finally, fall kickoff is fast approaching. We're just one week away now. So on August 30th, we hope you're planning to come out. You'll be receiving an invitation in the mail this week. And remember to bring peanut butter for our friends at Mission Peniel. It's a good source of protein for the people in Immokalee. We also want you to know that while we have lots of treats for you, we also have treats for your dogs. So if you feel uh, like it's a good idea, please bring your furry friends with you and we will offer them a treat. Let us continue our worship.
we continue to worship God in prayer. Let us pray. Our most loving and gracious God, we celebrate your love that found us when we were lost. Thank you for being the shepherd who searches for us, the lost sheep. Welcoming God, we rejoice to be home again by your grace and in your love. Thank you for calling us to love you and love one another and to be a part of this body of Christ. We thank you, O Lord, for walking with us even now and that nothing that happens will dim the joy and comfort we feel in your presence in these isolated and fearful days. Eternal God, we are grateful that in this service we can express our highest joy and privilege to worship and serve you. Enable us out of our need and our experience of your grace to share the gospel of grace with passion and expectation, we pray. Merciful Savior, be with those who are in need of care, shelter, healing, purpose, and hope, we pray. Let us be your hands and hearts and blessing to meet their needs, we pray. Comfort those who mourn this day, we pray. O God, who call us to service, be with leaders at every level of government as they seek to serve with justice and compassion, we pray. Be with us in these elections that we may discern and follow your guiding voice in our voting. Be with those who serve in places of danger, risking themselves on your behalf, Walk with those who are your church in every place and be with missionaries who leave their homes to help others find their real home in you, we pray. God of our future, we pray especially for teachers and children returning to school. Keep them safe and educate them in peace, we pray. Now we bring all our prayers spoken and unspoken to you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, friends, graciously God has continued to bless us even in these days. Thank you for your support through which God also continues to use us in his, in his blessings locally, nationally and globally to all his children who are hungry and poor and in need of help. As you can see on the screen, you can give online through direct deposit or by texting or by sending a check to the church office. Jesus tells us in the gospel according to Luke chapter 6 verse 38, give and you shall be given. So knowing that, let us give generously. Trees of green. 
Let us pray. Gracious God, what a wonderful world it is indeed, that despite all the things we don't get to experience in these difficult times, we still get to admire beautiful green trees, especially our grand oak tree that stands tall over our campus. We get to smell the red roses and admire the amazing skies that have put on an incredible display of colors almost every evening lately. We're grateful for your presence in our midst, and we pray that you will bless today's offerings and multiply these gifts so they may feed more people and tend to the basic needs to so many that are suffering. Bless these gifts so we can make your presence known and bless the givers that they may be filled with your everlasting joy. Amen. Hello again, this is Miss Sarah, here now for the children's moment. So children, if you're not already gathered around the, ho the television, I hope you will do so now. I have a story to talk about today. Do you know the story of Alexander and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day? If you don't know, I'm going to just tell you briefly what it's about. It's about a little boy named Alexander who has, you guessed it, a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. He gets gum in his hair, his favorite breakfast cereal is all gone, the kind of tennis shoes he wants to buy are sold out, his parents get angry with him. It's just a pretty rotten day. In fact, Alexander threatens to run away to Australia. By the end of the book, though, he realizes that some days are just like that even in Australia. I loved this book as a child, and I love reading it to my kids because there's something true about it, right? Some days are just tough. Some days are just terrible. Some days are hard. And some days it seems like nothing is going your way. But I don't think there's such a thing as a no-good day. You know why? Because every day is a day that God has made. You may have heard our pastors say, or your parents say, the Lord's Prayer or the Apostles' Creed, and perhaps you've heard them say this, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It's from the Psalms, and it's not just for some days. It's not just for special occasions. It's for every day. Every day there's something to celebrate, something to give thanks to God for, I called some of you this week just to find out the sorts of things that you're thankful for even on your most terrible, horrible, no good, very bad days. And you said, <clears throat> my dog, my mom, Chick-fil-A, sides, swings, slides, sunsets, beaches, balls, dolls, the color red, lollipops, Legos, why there's just too much here to read. I hope that you might make a list of things that you're thankful for even when you're having a hard day. I bet the next time you're having a bad day, you could look at it and be reminded of all the love, all the beauty that's all around us, even on the gloomiest of days. Will you pray with me? Dear God, give us eyes to see goodness and love when we're having a tough time.
Help us to give thanks for each new day, rejoicing and being glad for it. Amen. Our first scripture reading is from 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 12 to 15. It was told King David, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed an ox and a fatling. David danced before the Lord with all his might. David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Our second reading is from Luke, chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, 
Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Genevieve. Let us pray. Open our hearts and minds, O God, to the word just read and the words to come, that they might point to the word made flesh, Jesus the Christ. Amen. So we are five months into a pandemic that is holding us hostage. We are up to our necks in racial injustice and political divisiveness. And today, Today, we are supposed to talk about the final spiritual discipline called celebration. I imagine that most of us are in no mood for celebrating. Ordinarily, I would jump all over this topic. In fact, celebration may just be my family's love language. We love to celebrate. Birthdays, holidays, awards, degrees, and homecomings. And now we are lucky enough to be in that season of life to get to celebrate engagements and weddings and future grandchildren. You do the math, but with five daughters, one son-in-law, one future son-in-law, one future grandson, one husband and one dog whose birthday is May 5th, by the way, we do a lot of celebrating. But times are different, aren't they? Because of these extensive quarantines, many of us have not been allowed to be with our sweet families, parents, children, or grandchildren. We have been unable to gather with friends and neighbors for festivities. Fireworks, graduations, parades, and vacations have been canceled. So to talk about celebration seems like putting salt in the wound, and for that, I am so sorry. But I hope we can glean a good word for our walk with Christ that fits the times we are in today, as well as gathering something to tuck away for the future. To be honest, I was familiar with most of the spiritual disciplines that we covered over the summer, like meditation, fasting, prayer, solitude, and service. But I had never heard celebration as a discipline. I know that the Bible is full of stories about great celebrations. In our passage today, David is celebrating the return of the Ark of the Covenant. In Ezra, we read about the joyful celebration of the rebuilding of the temple. In Nehemiah, they celebrated the rebuilding of the Jerusalem wall with singing, music, and great choirs. The shepherd, wise men, and angels celebrated the birth of Jesus with gifts, song, and prayer. God gave Israel several ongoing celebrations in the Old Covenant, such as the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Feast of Weeks. 
In the new covenant, God gave us the Lord's Supper and baptism to celebrate. Jesus tells stories, of course, about celebrating over lost things that are now found. We also see future celebrations, such as the wedding of the Lamb and the wedding feast with Abraham. So yes, I see that celebration happens for God's people. And I know firsthand that celebrations are fun and life-giving. But I wondered why it was categorized as a discipline. Richard Foster wrote that celebration is central to the spiritual disciplines. Without a joyful spirit of festivity, the disciplines become dull, death-breathing tools in the hands of a modern-day Pharisee. He goes on to say that without joyous celebration to infuse the other disciplines, we will sooner or later abandon them. Joy produces energy. Joy makes us strong. In chapter 8, verse 10, Nehemiah says, The joy of the Lord is our strength. Sounds easy enough. I want to be strong in my faith, in my walk with Christ, and with my spiritual practices. So I will be full of joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength after all. But that may not be a switch that we can simply flip on or off. Cognitive and kinetic activities are subject to the will, but not always the emotions. You can tell your brain to think something, and you can tell your body to do something, but can you laugh when you're not happy? Can you cry when you're not sad? Brain, brain, think. When did Lincoln sign the Emancipation Proclamation? What is D-Day again? Well, if you've studied your history, most likely your brain will give you the answer. Or hand, reach, fingers, snap, legs, run faster. I want to get through this half marathon before tomorrow. You see, cognitive and kinetic goals can be achieved. But what about emotive commands? A pastor tells a story about a funeral that he did for one of the most indifferent fathers he had ever seen. The man didn't hit his son, but he also didn't talk to him. For 15 years, he ignored his son. Then he walked out and abandoned him. And so a 25-year-old son sits at his father's funeral, trying desperately to feel sad for the sake of appearance. He thought people would talk if he didn't cry, so he kept trying to conjure up sad scenes from his childhood, Bambi and Old Yeller, the episodes of Lassie when she gets lost. But he told the pastor, I am not happy. I am not sad. I am just empty. I just feel cold. The Desert Father Augustine of Hippo wrote that the Christian should be in hallelujah from head to foot. But of course, we can't require praise or try to legislate it, write it on stone tablets, thou shalt praise, or post it on our courtroom walls. That is not the point, and it wouldn't work anyway. Instead, praise is what springs from gratitude and thanksgiving. When we are truly grateful to someone for what they have done or for who they are, then 
we are moved to praise. Praise is a natural response. In her book, 1,000 Gifts, Anne Voskamp wrote, God gives gifts, and I give thanks, and I unwrap the gift given, joy. Joy is the gateway to celebration. The thankful person, that person moved by gratitude, is the one who will share the good news with others of what they have found, a recovered ark, or a lost sheep, or a lost coin. And when they do this, they invite their friends and neighbors to celebrate. Well, we all know that when something wonderful happens, you just have to share it with others. Somehow sharing it, expressing it, and celebrating it makes the joy exponentially sweeter. We can celebrate good things, found things, and in these times, especially today, small things. David danced with all his might as they brought something very good back to Jerusalem. But he didn't dance alone. David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of trumpet. Together, they celebrated. Well, our family has spontaneous dance parties. They usually break out in the kitchen after a family meal when a few people seem to have more time on their hands than those who still have dish soap on their hands. Someone cranks up the music and the dancing begins. Everyone joins in. And believe me when I tell you, talent is not required. The energy and the laughter and the pure joy pulses throughout the house, celebrating something as simple as being alive and being together. Perhaps we all should consider celebrating with a dance party. And I want to show you a short 60-second clip from dancing from some movies to inspire you. Go. danced along the way our crew danced along. Well, there's another dancer that I want to tell you about, Eva Moses Kaur, and she had a different kind of dance party. In 2015, Auschwitz commemorated the 70th anniversary of its liberation by Allied forces with then 81-year-old Eva in attendance. Eva was an Auschwitz survivor who lost her parents, 
two of her sisters, her grandparents, several of her aunts and uncles at the hand of the Nazis. She and her twin sister, just 10 years old at the time of their capture, were among 200 sets of twins out of 1,500 who survived the vicious medical experiments of Dr. Joseph Mengele. 20 years prior, at the 50th anniversary of the liberation of the camp, Eva was reported to have written a letter stating, I had the power to forgive. No one could give me the power or take it away from me. I refused to be a victim, and now I am free. Eva returned to Auschwitz and always danced on the platform where she saw her family for the last time. Eva said, that's where they took away the joy of my life and my family. This way, I reclaim it. Well, Jesus also reclaimed the joy and celebration of life itself during his time on earth, so much so that the scribes and Pharisees in Luke 7.34 called Jesus a glutton, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Worse yet, Jesus seemed to enjoy their company. Jesus told three parables of joy to them in the Gospel of Luke. Genevieve just read two of them for us. You see, parables were powerful teaching tools because they used common objects and experiences that were easy to understand for the listening audience. Parables usually sneak in a zinger that turns conventional practices upside down and leaves the listener scratching his head and searching his heart. Take the lost sheep, for example. Would a good shepherd really leave 99 sheep to look for just one? Well, regardless of the shepherd's actions, the men and women listening totally understood this example. You see, in a small village where two or three shepherds cared for the sheep, which belonged to everyone in town, people sometimes waited long into the night for a shepherd to return hoping and praying that the lost sheep would be found. They wouldn't necessarily know if it was their sheep or their neighbors, but the sense of community was so strong that the pain of loss was equally shared. If the shepherd returned with the lost sheep, the huddled, worried crowd would burst into cheers and tears of joy. Now consider the silver coin. The listeners knew that this was a serious loss for a woman. A silver piece represented roughly a day's wages in the first century world where people often survived from one day to the next. Jesus also might have had in mind the headdress that married women wore. These bands were made up of 10 silver coins held together by a silver chain. Girls sometimes saved for years to collect their 10 coins. To lose one was almost like losing your feminine honor. So whether the coin in Jesus' parable was treasured for its intrinsic worth or its sentimental value, we don't know. We only know that the woman lost it and then she became frantic. For her, it was a tragedy. Her little house was dark since it received light from only one tiny little window. 
And to find a little coin like that was nearly impossible because the floor was nothing more than beaten earth covered with reeds and rushes. How could a person find a coin in such a place? And then she found it. And then she called together her friends and her neighbors and she exclaimed, let's have a celebration, a dance party. In each story, something valuable is lost, the lost is found, and then they have a party. The joy of finding is so abundant, it cannot be contained. One person alone cannot adequately celebrate it. There must be a party. Even the angels join in. There is great joy in heaven before the angels of God over one sinner who repents a heavenly dance party. We can learn to celebrate even during a pandemic by being intentional about noticing the small things. If we're talking about small things, my husband says we should celebrate the little baby, the smell of hamburgers cooking on the grill, and buy one, get one Ben and Jerry's. So true. 19th century poet Elizabeth Barrett Browning wrote, Earth is crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God. Now, all we have to do is take notice. With the exception of some professions, like frontline health providers, one gift of this pandemic is that many of us have less demands on our schedule, which allow us to move at a slower pace. James Thurber once wrote, man is flying too fast for a world that is round. Soon he'll catch up with himself in a great rear-end collision. We should avoid a great rear-end collision this week by slowing down to see all the good and small things that come from a loving and gracious God like the tiny caterpillar who eats the parsley from your herb garden the laughter from the kids next door in the pool, the sunset colors of orange and red splashed across the sky. I could go on and on, and I know that you could too. It's part of why I love that song that Jenny and Robin sang, What a Wonderful World, because in that song, they capture the joy in the small and ordinary things worth celebrating. Maybe we have to get a little creative with how we celebrate, but it starts inside of each one of us, opening our hearts, our hands, and our senses to receive the gifts of God, the good things, the found things, and the small things. Anne Voskamp wrote, I want to slow down and taste life give thanks, and see God. Lori Haas wrote, and then have a dance party.
friends, my hope and my prayer is that we all celebrate those small things this week that come from a God who is loving and gracious. And now may the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes, the love of God reflected in your hands, the wisdom of God reflected in your words, and the knowledge of God flow through your heart so that all might see and believe. And all God's children said, Amen.